Are you a fan of listening? <laughs> well, you must be if you're listening to this podcast. And today we're here to tell you about another great listening opportunity. It's called Storytel. Storytel is an app that provides audiobooks and ebooks. You have access to tens of thousands of books in both English and Arabic. You can listen while cooking, driving, doing chores, and you have the option of listening online or offline. You can find the link to download the app in this episode's description. Storytel, the books you love anytime, anywhere. Welcome to a new episode on Hamburger Generation Jeel and Hamburger. We continue with Nidal Murrah with not one, but two wonderful stories and experiences. The first consisting of two frogs, and the second related to two distant memories that Nidal picks on and taps into. I hope you enjoy the episode. Yes. Yes is more fun than no. This helped me so much to have a rich experience in, in however many years I've had uh, on earth is saying yes more than no. Mm. Uh, yes, I ended up in a lot of weird situations. Yes, I got into a lot of trouble. But yes is always more fun. And it's that's the choice. The choice is how many yeses, how big of a yes, mm. uh, how many back to back. And I find it taking me to, to where... I'm aligned where I belong. It's almost like setting a needle down right by a magnet. It's going to find north, mm-hmm. you know? And resisting this finding north is the only time I experience pain, is when I don't do what it literally feels right or what I'm supposed to do. For even in storytelling, writing a story is choice after choice after choice, what to call this character, what situation to set up, how to get it to the end. And it's it, there's something that we all experience, which is called uh, decision fatigue. We have a certain bandwidth uh, every day to make a certain number, very small number of actual good decisions where we consider it and we make a choice. After that, we start to experience decision fatigue. We literally don't have enough chemicals saying, yes, this one versus that one. And we start to half-ass our approach to decision making. 100%. Yeah. And in, in, in stories, when decision fatigue happens and you keep fighting it, that's when you struggle and people call it writer's block or I'm not feeling good. But you recognize, or at least I recognize when that happens, like, okay, I need a break. Now I need to stimulate myself some other way. Now I need to do something entirely uh, different. And the different is leave the story that I'm writing for someone to get paid and literally write a very quick story for me for self-entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote something about... Two frogs, uh, one frog tells the other frog, is like, man, I found like the craziest place. It has all the food you can imagine, but you have to do something really weird to get in. Like there's an initiation process. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, just come with me. We'll see it there. So these two frogs go off together. They climb this uh, tree. There's a big hole in the tree. And uh, uh, the inviter tells his friend Frog, let's call him uh, Jamil and and Fred. So Jamil tells Fred, uh, uh, Fred, there's uh, like a lot of food there. Let's go in this hole. They go in this hole. Fred looks down. It's so dark. It's so scary. 
And he doesn't want to go down. He's like, there's definitely going to be predators down there, right? And he's like, well, not really. You have to let whatever happens happen. Don't resist. Don't fight. It's going to be a little scary. He's like, what are you saying? And he says, there's a huge spider down there. Okay? And they're not going to do anything. Okay? You just... When you get to the spider, he's like, no, I'm out of here. Forget it, spiders. We're the prey of spiders. And he starts to leave. So his friend pushes him into the hole. Fred falls down, stumbles right next to a huge sack of eggs. The sack of eggs surrounded by ants, taking the eggs one by one and walking away. And then Fred looks around. He's like, uh-oh, this is bad news. And he wants to scramble all the way up and go back to his friend. But before he can, he gets grabbed from behind by this gigantic spider. And the spider picks him up and starts pulling it to, his, uh, to, to its mouth. And he's trying to resist like, there we go. I swear, I didn't want to do anything. And the spider puts him in his mouth and starts licking him all over, like tasting him. And not biting and not chewing him and then gently sets him down and Fred is in this bath of adrenaline and weirded out by what just happened this huge predator just put him in his mouth licked him all over <laughs> he felt quite intimate didn't eat him set him down and then the spider walks off and then his friend hops down slowly and he's like huh what I tell you come on let's eat all these ants and they start eating all the ants and he's looking at his friend saying like, why didn't you just like tell me it's going to happen this way? He said, because you would have never done it. You would have never believed me. You know, you had to experience it for yourself. Um, anyway, congratulations. This is your hole. Uh, you live here now. You can come eat whenever you want. I've got my own spider. I'll see you later. And then we see a really small frog in the same hole talking to a really old frog and he's like dad this is really how we live here and he's like yes son this is how we got our culture each one of us a frog has a spider and now is the time for you to move out and find your own spider and find your own hole and then he takes him up to the hole kicks him out of kicks <laughs> out of the hole and they go back and the old spider and his wife are like, yeah, I think this was the right choice. As the huge spider comes back in, saying, hey, good evening. Oh, he's gone. Okay, ma'asalama. And the sounds of the forest take over. So that was based on a real thing where there's a species of spider that keeps a frog as a pet to watch over all the ants that would come and try to eat the eggs. But first, before they allow them, they have to taste them, take their signature, basically, oh, this is my frog, and now he can live here. No way. What? Yeah. So that was my break. That was like a 15-minute break. I do something like this, I type it out, and then I go back to what I'm supposed to do. Yo, fuck whatever you're yeah. writing. Turn this into a movie <laughs> yeah, right dude, now. I want to watch <laughs> So this is a script. This is a, like a script. Pixar in the making. If there's any animator listening, I have the script. It's ready. It's it's written. I can send it to you and go ahead and, and create it. It's a real thing? So, does it, 
Yes, 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 it's absolutely. Written. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, it's a real thing. Oh, yeah, the spider. As in, yes, like, it's yes, based yes. off of real. Yeah, based yeah, yeah, off yeah, of reality. Yeah. yeah. Of real. It's yeah. of real. Yeah, that, that's, that's one crazy. of my hyper focus wormholes. Like, I, I, I was reading about spiders. And I found this spider and I went and read everything I know about it. And so that one day on break, it all echoed back in my head and came out as a story. But really, if anybody listening is an animator or thinks of a way that they can do this, I'll send you the script. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of these things. Generation.hamburger at gmail.com. <laughs> Fuad and Khaled, if you're listening, if you guys got into animation. Oh, we have this like Fuad and Khaled instead of uh, Jamil and Fred for the frogs. <laughs> Could be, yeah. But yeah. it does, it, like, yeah. I, uh, it talks a little bit about culture and how um, there people um, do things for the first time. And, you know, the frog told his friend, like, if you had told me, I would have been ready. This guy's preparing his son. So there's a bit of layers in there. It's not just it uh, or just uh, filling time. Yeah, yeah, there's commentary on, like, life, like yeah. our life as human. Yeah. And that's what I can't help. That's what I can't help. If there's a bit of time, something's going on, I'm I'm waiting in line or whatever, I start to make a story about something. Make mm. a story about something. Starting either with a character or starting with a premise, which is like a situation. And then it's almost like a process of discoveries. When that thing is switched on in my head, I'm watching it happen and like taking notes. Like, oh, uh, transcription. This is what's actually happening. And... That's what I, I guess that's what I meant when I said weaponizing my uh, my imagination is that it almost operates as a thing by itself. And I, I check in every now and then mm. take notes what's going on and report back to the real world. And hopefully people are interested. <laughs> that was interesting. That was definitely interesting. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I was on a ride. Me too. Yeah. Vortex. It's totally Vortex. <laughs> I was like, like, I could have been stoned and like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like sit on path. حلقه اليوم برعايه Storytel. Storytel هو تطبيق بتقدر تسمع منه لالاف من الكتب الصوتيه باللغه العربيه والانجليزيه. بتعرفوا كيف انا بحب الشعر، فحبيت اقترح عليكم كتاب شعري تسمعوه على تطبيق Storytel. الكتاب هو بعنوان قصائد قتلت أصحابها وهي عبارة عن مجموعة قصائد كان إلها إيد بنهاية حياة الشعراء اللي كتبوها شكراً كتير لستوريتل لدعمهم لبودكاست جيل الهمبرجر وطبعاً بتقدروا تحملوا التطبيق وتجربوه عبر الرابط اللي موجود بصندوق الوصف هلأ خلينا نرجع لقصتنا Memories kind of weird, right? Like... It, it it changes every time we remember and sometimes things disappear entirely true and and they come later at, at shocking points in our life like uh, hanging out with a friend i haven't seen them in years memory of a missed uh, opportunity for a threesome jams itself into the middle of the conversation <laughs> <laughs> um, it happens <laughs> uh i was i was watching midsummer with my wife we watched the whole film actually it wasn't the film i watched midsummer it was a few weeks a movie uh, it's a movie by uh, i'm i'm not gonna try to butcher his name it's a, a daytime horror with a huge uh, influence from folklore a lot of pagan things it's a beautiful piece of art i'd watched the film 
uh, with my wife and then we were watching some of the analysis of the things that the director did to give certain effects to the audience, mm. to make them feel certain things. And one of the shots in the film is quite upsetting. And this is not a spoiler for anyone who's going to see it, where someone gets like badly injured and they get badly injured by falling. So while watching the video, the person falls and I start to feel something. I start to remember something. And then we have to, I pause it. I pause it and I look at my wife. I look at Farah and I say, I'm seeing something. I'm remembering something really strange and kind of upsetting. And it's so fragmented and small. And I start to describe it to her. I told her, I see bricks, like a wall and a floor and like a stain, a stain of rust something and as i'm describing in my mind's eye it's almost like the spotlight is growing and showing mm. more and more detail of this thing and with the detail it's not just visual there's a lot of feelings that i'm experiencing while telling her and this is happening live now imagine from her perspective we're just hanging out watching the video and suddenly i pause it i'm like i'm seeing bricks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the ground and then she she interrupts me and she's like what what are you talking about so i tell her this is like a memory i feel like a memory is coming back and i start to fill in the gaps and slowly what starts to build is something about death the feeling of being afraid mm. um a spiral staircase and i'm worried about something and it starts to turn into, I have to talk to my mom. I have to check because it's so vivid and very upsetting. So I, I pick up the phone. I dial uh, mama's number and, and she picks up and I start from scratch. I'm like, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that. I think it's a memory. Does that ring any bells? Do you know what the hell I'm talking about? And then the first thing she says is like, oh, my God you're thinking of so-and-so's son. And when she says their name, it all comes back like a tsunami. All the emotions, all the whole memory, all of a sudden is in my head with all the details. And mama and I start to compare small details. I'm like, was I nine, 10? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's before you were before puberty like was it in uae she's like yes 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 it was in ajman that lady was related to us and and then we hash it out and then i get you know kind of like resolution and and I, and I hang up and then i turn and i see my wife like wide-eyed sitting there <laughs> what are you guys talking about mm. so what had happened is for close to 20 years I had suppressed this memory entirely from my mind as if it never happened. And what, what, what had happened was we, we went to these people's place for the aza, for like the equivalent of the wake, but without the body. I was like nine or 10 and uh, we were going because their son who's early in his life, like early 20, uh, late twenties, early thirties, like he's shab, mm. still young. He had died under mysterious circumstances. And it was tragic because he's the eldest and this lady is close to my mom. So there was a lot of sadness in the air. Mm. And I had never experienced something like this before. Like my parents would go, I would stay home 
or they are actual family and there's a lot more context, but this had mystery in it. This had like a young guy dying and it's weird and it's unspoken weird. But when we arrive to this place, I start to hear people speak to each other about the circumstances of his death. And it's things like, well, what they're saying is that his father might have it. And I wouldn't hear the rest. Mm. And I got curious. And someone else is like, but he used to get drunk and was... Things like that. I would hear bit here, bit there, see people who are genuinely upset. And then I had built in my head, because of these whispers, uh, what might have happened. And then my dad is like, okay, you have to do this. You have to go say hello here. Say these words to this guy. And from his perspective, he's telling me what to do. But... How I felt is there's suspicion. The father did something. And then he goes, here's the father. Say hello to the father. And I look up and I feel like, oh my God, the bad guy. Oh, right? Like oh, the suspicious damn. guy. And I shook hands with him. And then you sit here and they sit there. And people are hushed. And there's in the distance, you know, a bad recording of, uh, you know, um, either Quran and someone takes out the tape to flip it. It's it's not a remembrance vibe. There's there's something upsetting. that uh, The family is almost like divided about what's happening. Then I see my parents start to get up and leave the main space where everybody is. And someone else, the auntie or whatever, is like, but we're going to go look where the... I hear that and I start to follow them. And I made sure that no one is paying attention to me being there. Because I felt like a big no, like don't come. So they walk through the house to where you get to the lower floors. So there's a basement floor and I guess like a second basement, something like that. It's a multiple story house. And there's a spiral, a wide spiral staircase. And... A crowd of people, no joke, like a dozen people at the top of the stairs, all bent over looking down. And as I get closer, I hear from the conversation, he couldn't have fallen by himself. Look, the stairs are so wide. And I look at the stairs and they are wide. And anyway, what they are saying about drinking, he wasn't drunk. He drove home and he parked where he... And I'm getting closer and closer. Mm. And then uh, different people start to talk. But how did they find? How did? Why did they move him before the police? Things like that. Mm. And I squeeze my way in between these people. Finally getting to the edge of the staircase. And I look where everybody's looking. And two floors down on the, on the marble floor... Right next to it, a couple of bricks that they had not finished using. In the middle of the floor is a big ring that looks like uh, rust that's clean in the middle and with its frayed edges. And then someone's like, even the blood didn't come out of the ground. For me, that's like a sign. If you can't clean the blood, that means something happened here. Oof. And for from my perspective... I was looking at what 
death is mm. what all this fuss all these people wearing black all the sadness the hushed tones the evil conspiracy feeling was suddenly represented by this spot on the ground and as i'm absorbing this i suddenly hear and feel someone pulling me and saying la what are you doing here get back don't look and they push me away and the adults kind of realize like oh a kid like is looking and someone else starts to calm them down like it's fine you'll scare him like don't do this uh, come here ammo it's fine it's fine it's okay this is just nothing let's go back and i didn't react at the time zero reaction just the initial um feeling of the the tangible representation of death and the taboo that they made me feel like I'm not supposed to see this or feel this. Mm. And from there, there's nothing else. There's no other memory. And then when I was on the phone with my mom, I'm like, did I ask about this? Did I, like, wh what happened after? She's like, you bugged us a bit in the car. And you were like, why aren't police involved? Why is the dad, like, why, why aren't people kind of investigating this? Someone might have pushed him or whatever. She's like... It's their family. It's not ours. We said what we think. And this is kind of like, this is fine. And I didn't ask about it again. And there was no integration. So since, literally since that day, until I watched, not the film itself, but a clip reviewing the film, that memory was almost non-existent in my head with all the detail, with all the information and all the feelings within it. And the moment I accessed it, the moment that spot was confirmed by someone else, it flooded back with all of these feelings. And, you know, that, that happened in this way, maybe it's, it's an upsetting thing or like a, people can easily say this was a traumatic event, mm. uh, which is why it was suppressed but I got quite curious and I would consciously, like I would structure into some of my days, not every day, structure into, into some of my days, active recollection where I, uh, if I have a glimpse or an inkling of a, of a feeling or a memory, I would start picking at it. But before I could add to it my own falseness or change the narrative, I would think of someone who was there, who was like a witness, get in touch with them and start to like remember it together. Mm -hmm. So it, it turned into like a, a casual fun game that doesn't have a name with, you know, my siblings, old friends, my parents. And it's not just traumatic stuff. There was really amazing stuff in there. Beautiful memories that immediately when receiving the key, the rest of it unfolds and all the feelings kind of like old smells coming out and, mm -hmm. and bringing yeah. a new feeling to... Yeah, I guess you do it while you're aware that you're doing it. I think it's something that we do naturally as mm. people. Like you sit with someone and you start reminiscing about your past. Mm. It's like kind of like reliving it and then like filling up the details that yeah. are unfilled in your memory, maybe filled in their memory. Yeah, what interested me was was the, the glimmers of ones that are not present in, in your conscious mind. Like... It's not uh, uh, something I do remember and I see you and you're like, I remember when? And uh, we start recounting it and experiencing that pleasure rather like almost like uh, me looking at you now and saying, did you go to th this school? And you being like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Did you know a girl called Lena? And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Whatever happened? To and then we start to figure out that we might have 
gone to the beach together that day and mm. that's when I first had coconut ice cream something like this right you know? right right mm. both pleasant and unpleasant you know yeah yeah Um, and in, in, in CBT and therapy that happens a lot where I would say I, I would be recounting something what I thought was small and uh, the therapist would be like that small thing that you think is not important let's think about it a bit more together and see what comes up and that using this kind of method I remembered one really strange story that I had suppressed where in my mind it was just taking the elevator upstairs, going home, and then being told that I can't participate in the rest of the conversation explaining the elevator ride. Weird. Like, why would a four-year-old not be involved about the elevator? Me and my mom came home, and uh, then suddenly Baba's upset about the elevator. That was the memory. <laughs> But when we dug into it a little bit, I started to unpack it. And what had happened was, so I had been like three, maybe four years old. I get into the elevator with my mom. We, we've done this millions of times. We go out together, get in the elevator, uh, whether there's one or two or three strangers, we're going home. This is a safe place. We go up to the third floor, exit, everything is fine. This time, there was another guy in the elevator with us, normal. But then what I would remember is my mom pushing me away, pushing me into the corner behind her. And at that time, I was like, why is mama doing this? Why is she pushing me behind her? And then just hearing a little bit of a commotion and then buttons being pressed, the door opening, and we're arriving at our floor. And then my mom sneaks me from behind her up against the wall of the elevator, and then we go home. Mm. That was the first layer of unpacking. Mm -hmm. And then when I had to check the memory, speaking to my mom and dad about this, they filled in the gaps for me. And they told me what had happened, which is the reason why I had suppressed it, is that during that ride, that guy had reached out to touch my mom, to start to touch her. And she was trying to do two things at once, stop him from doing this and not let me witness it and not put me in a situation where I have to feel like either I have to defend her or that something bad is happening. So as far as I was concerned... We, everything is fine, but Mama and Baba fought for some weird reason about the elevator. But what had unfolded is that this has happened. We went home. She quickly told Baba, who rushed out. They tried to find the guy. All of a sudden, literally everyone who lives in the building, the watchmen, people outside, are looking for this guy in the building and outside the building. They, like, they locked the elevator. and I. While this was happening, they had... They left me in the apartment and closed the door and locked it just in case he's still in the building. What they hadn't done in their rush is they, by accident, left the lights off. Like they left the lights off and I was all of a sudden in darkness and darkness after an immediate fight between my parents and a huge commotion that involves the whole building outside. Now, I'm not helpless. So I turn on the lights. I start to try to get my mind around these things, walk over to the balcony, look over, and then see a crowd of people just running after somebody. And someone jumps in their car and drifts off. And the door reopens, parents come in, and the police never came to our house. Whatever the police did about this, it happened away from me. 
But for the next couple of days, there was a real electric energy about everyone living in this building looking towards each other. No woman or child took the elevator alone. Uh, the watchman, instead of having you know his, his duty hours, they got him help so that he there's always multiple people who know who lives here, who are keeping eye. Mm. But no one is helping the child integrate all these things. Mm. You know, Process it's, it. It's, it's a, okay, you're being protected from this. And with despite the best intention, even though in a way, I don't feel consciously hurt by this, but my subconscious mind has taken an entire memory and closed it off and put it somewhere else in, in, in my head that I didn't have access to for years. And just by talking about my relationship with my parents and uh, with, with my therapist, a small throwaway comment suddenly becomes this whole unfolding complete memory that is verifiable with, with other people, you know, uh, with uh, people who were there. So there's a whole bunch of these. There's there's a lot of stuff that comes in flashes, some upsetting, some actually quite beautiful. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't want to take up all your time. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> Thank you. Good one. Good one. Mm. Yeah. Memory. CBT. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's It's a fancy way of saying, talking about it, structured talking, pointed questions towards a certain goal. The therapist would, would know and whether or not they tell you is the personal kind of approach mm. so that you're not biased or you're not protecting because uh, a lot of times if you just tell the person what you suspect early on in the sessions, you start to color how they say things. But through talk therapy, the, the goal would be to make you think, to make you include new things in your internal monologue that would uh, modify your behavior in the real world right so you're you're conscious about these things you're aware of them they're being processed uh, in the frontal part of your brain and they reach behavior it's not just about uh feeling and most of it for me comes down to how the internal monologue is structured and how intentional a lot of uh, the things that you do are because um, it's comfortable not to be intentional it's 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 chill, <laughs> you know, really it's, chill, it's relaxed. Yeah. And especially, you know, uh, with my uh, superpower, <laughs> being intentional is uh, slightly more difficult. So I have to uh, squeeze harder to achieve kind of like the same thing. But it's, it's fun and it's, it makes things feel like they have a channel that they're going through. The water is not just being poured on the ground. Purpose. There are grooves. And you can even start adding, you know, to stretch the metaphor, turbines that use this flow to generate mm -hmm. more things and modifying the slope, you know, based on your tolerance of how much flow you can have. So, yeah, uh, things like that. Then once you know what the vocabulary is and the tools are, then you can start to really take control and, and modify these things. And I, w I would even say, like, I barely know... Uh, how I'm doing it uh, and it only gets better and you only get stronger yeah
After the story, I've personally been trying to tap into past memories in my life and trying to put the puzzle together with family and friends. I invite you to do the same and share with us your unraveled past memories on Instagram. We'd love to read about it. I'm Jamil on the Hamburger Generation podcast and we'll catch you on the flip side.